welcome to this month's look at the nursing headlines from Johns Hopkins. I'm Elizabeth Tracy. Welcome, Elizabeth. I'm Patricia Davidson. I'm the Dean of the School of Nursing here at Johns Hopkins, and it's so wonderful to have you with us again this month. And wonderful to see you. Glad you're well. Let's turn first, if you don't mind, to the CDC's rather sobering revelation that among healthcare workers, nurses are those who are most likely to be impacted with COVID-19. It's not a surprise to me because it's the time of exposure and the contact and the type of work that nurses do that put them in the front line. It speaks to the vulnerability and the service and the dedication of many nurses and the importance of the work that we do. It also underscores the importance of access to adequate PPE and the training to wear that appropriately. And we know even in the most infectious conditions such as Ebola, healthcare workers are able to take care of those patients safely if they have access to the right equipment and conditions. One of the tragedies of the COVID-19 pandemic has been the death of healthcare workers, not just nurses, physicians, and other frontline healthcare workers all around the world. There are people speaking out from the level of the International Council on Nursing, but we have to make sure that there is widespread policy change. I'm so proud of my colleagues at Johns Hopkins and other academic health science centres who have, I wish I could say, come through, are enduring this pandemic, looking after their people. One of the statistics that has really impacted me is that Filipino nurses in the United States, about 4% of the registered nurse population, but over 30% of the deaths from COVID-19. So this means many of them are working in maybe facilities that do not have adequate protection for workers. Small facilities often do not have access to adequate equipment and training. Let's talk about skilled nursing facilities, because it seems to me, at least, that a disproportionate number of the deaths, both among healthcare workers and among nurses, have taken place in those kinds of environments. What would you say are the things that you would change in those environments so that this danger could be mitigated as much as possible? Firstly, I want to recognize the amazing care that is provided in those facilities by certified nursing assistants. Every time I hear those words, skilled nursing facility, I bristle because I think it's an oxymoron. The number of registered nurses in those facilities is perilously low. Instead, what we're doing is placing the responsibility of care on amazing individuals who are certified nursing assistants and others who really care, but don't have the training to be able to do that appropriately. Not only have those people borne a disproportionate burden of infection and death, but also working in those facilities and dealing with that suffering is something that we should really be shout out for. At Johns Hopkins, there's an excellent model where there's outreach from within the state. This has been a great initiative of the governor here and others. This is not a problem unique to the United States. Currently in Australia, there's a Royal Commission into residential aged care facilities and similarly in the United Kingdom. Often there's been huge privatisation of that sector. There's a lot of regulation. It's punitive and is, does not engage in quality improvement. Citations don't change behaviours. How do we actively engage with those facilities in quality improvement 
empowerment and education of the healthcare workers and creating safe places for the most vulnerable in society. Let's go to your advice to an individual nurse who right now finds himself or herself in a situation where the risk seems unacceptably high. What strategies would you recommend for them to take care of themselves so that they can be present for others? Firstly, we know that this is not a disease to be tangled with. If you don't have adequate PPE, if you do not feel that your patients are getting adequate care, we are bound by a code of ethics to not only take care of our patients, but ourselves. I pray for them and pray for their courage because this is not an easy thing to do. Nurses who go to Johns Hopkins School of Nursing are fearless and courageous and they have the education and the courage to be able to speak out. This speaks to the importance of an educated workforce. I'm always a great believer in that you need to find supportive and enabling environments. And what is happening all around the nation is sadly many nurses are resigning. We know that the pandemic has hit women harder. Women are juggling multiple responsibilities of homeschooling children, taking care of elderly parents. I think this is potentially a adverse outcome of the pandemic that we did not plan or consider. And could be very long term as well. Right now, in the midst of the prediction that we're going to need way more nurses rather than fewer. Yeah. Well, one of the really encouraging things is that enrollments across nursing schools are increasing and in our school as well. This is the first time in many generations where nurses have been exposed to something so infectious where it's not their choice. But we know that in good facilities, people are fine. I was talking last week to one of our alumni who went from St. Louis Obispo to New York in the heart of the pandemic in the city. She went with uh, 50 people who were deployed as a cohort. Not one of them contracted COVID. So it's possible. It's possible to work with it and still not get the... It, it is, but you need systems. Even in our school, we have our students back in clinical, but we have people monitoring movement in the corridors. We know at Johns Hopkins, it's not just having the PPE, it's how you take it off. We know we have people who are really monitors and coaches that help people. And we have adequate staffing to be able to deal with it. So on that rather sobering note, how about just a little note of encouragement? Well, can I tell you, there are some positive things that are coming out of this pandemic. I have seen exceptional demonstrations of leadership and many of my colleagues talk about the increase in teamwork, particularly with our physician colleagues. On social media, I am really impressed by the outpouring of support, particularly from our physician colleagues of the role of nurses. We all know that the validation by our peers and our colleagues is often the most valuable. So I do see a silver lining of this pandemic. I see that people are really recognizing the role and the value of nurses. And I also see that we have seen huge inequity and disparities across our profession. And so it's dependent upon us as nurses to make sure our colleagues, whatever setting they're working in, are safe and able to practice without fear of death and disability related to work. 
on that note, that's a look at this month's nursing headlines from Johns Hopkins. I'm Elizabeth Tracy. Elizabeth, it's always so wonderful to speak with you. As we face the next few months, I just really encourage everybody to make sure that you've had your flu injection, wear a mask, no dinner or celebration is worth your life. We will get through this. Please be safe and well, everybody. And if you want to hear about the great things happening at Johns Hopkins, please go to the COVID website, but also go to the School of Nursing website and also follow me at Nursing Dean on Twitter or the school at JHU Nursing. Thanks so much, Elizabeth. I pray next month things will be heading in a different direction. Very good. Thank you.